so without like taking a long time to think about this and whatever, but just like off the top of your head, who is like the worst baseball player in MLB? Like whether it's just like someone on your team who you're just like this guy sucks or just like whatever. Like who do you think is like the worst? I feel like Sam, you already know what my answer is. Yeah, but be. Eddie Rosario not is not bad. the worst player in baseball. Eddie Rosario is actually pretty good. <laughs> I know, but I just cannot stand him. But like I'm actually like who do you actually think is like one of the least talented players like they're all amazing athletes incredibly talented but i'm just talking about like just like that guy's just not very good like quadruple a type player um i know well okay i guess yeah i'm thinking about on the cubs because i think it's just daniel descalso i'm pretty sure i don't even i think they declined his option at the end of the season but he was really bad in 2019 he didn't play at all in 2020 um, and I'm pretty sure he was still on the 40 man, but was at the, whatever the, the site. You okay. Know, the, so let's use, it. that's so, great. Great example. I mean, let's use Daniel. Jeff Mathis is pretty fucking bad too, but we can use Descalso. Let's for, use Daniel Descalso. And yeah, in 2019 okay. in 82 games, 194 plate appearances, he hit 173, uh, with only two. Yeah, home. He was terrible. Great. Uh, <laughs> negative 1.1 more. He a terrible player. Um, in relative to the rest of it, do you think that Daniel Descalso is better or worse than Babe Ruth? Uh, worse? Yeah, I think he's worse. I mean, I'm not saying are his numbers worse. I'm saying like if you put Daniel Descalso in the 1920 Yankees lineup, or you put Babe Ruth and Daniel Descalso, like. Do you think that Babe Ruth is like, like if they like swapped through time, some wormhole opened in time and they were swapped? Right, is like the worst Daniel player Descalso today. Daniel would do better than is than like Babe the worst Ruth player that. today better than Babe Ruth. Here's the thing: uh, I, I feel like so. Daniel Descalso going back to the early 1900s to play ball in Babe Ruth's place. That was such a different game. And I think modern players, right, they're so used to analytics and things like that. We're like, we sit here and we're like, oh, maybe Babe Ruth would struggle with that. I think I don't Descalso know. I think would Babe struggle Ruth would with okay. like the fucking spitballs Dirty balls and all this. But how fast were they throwing? Do, do we know how fast they I were throwing? We, we I don't, don't know. know. I mean, yeah, we don't know exactly there how fast the they were throwing. But, but um, I can't imagine I think Babe Ruth would come to this balls left and right. Babe Ruth would come to this era and he would suck for a year and then he would adjust because I think history has showed us that he was like, I don't, maybe this is a hot take, but I think Babe Ruth is considered to be pretty good. So <laughs> I think he would, it would take him, a, there'd be an adjustment period and people would be like, wow, this Babe Ruth guy was not all he was cracked up to be, but then he would adjust to the velocity and everything and he would probably buy into the analytics eventually and like. Yeah, and also, like, just looking at Babe Ruth's baseball reference, I mean, the dude led the league in walks so many damn times that, I don't know, maybe he got hit a lot, but also maybe he had a good eye, you know? And I feel like in terms of, you know, OBP and all that shit, like, I feel like analytics might, you know, I don't know, Babe Ruth, I feel like, could get by. Someone like, I, I think most modern players, to be honest, going back to, let's just say, 1920 to try to play baseball, that just feels like such a different wild game in, like you said, Charlie, spitballs and, you know, they're playing it at, at, in these ballparks and the sun's going down and you can't see the ball and they're like, well, you know, just come on, let's just hurry up and wrap up the game. Like, that's just crazy, you know? So I definitely well, think Babe Ruth would be... Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Daniel Descalso would run laps around Babe Ruth. I think that Daniel Descalso <laughs> would be... Uh, if he... Maybe, okay, physically he'd probably run laps around. Well, him. that's what yeah, I'm saying. I, I don't think that. that people back then were anywhere near as good as the athletes. I think they ran slower. I think they were Sure, they weren't weaker. the same level I think they... athlete. Yeah, I'll give you that. So I think that Descalso would... Uh, I mean, I think he would definitely be a better fielder. I think that he would... I, maybe the only thing is like wouldn't have as good bat to ball skills maybe but like I, come on man that's that's the only thing that matters dude okay we're all about hitting dingers here that's what we like i mean it's <laughs> crazy because babe ruth had hit not hitting dingers hit, you know more home runs than, than anyone until hank aaron but I feel like I feel like if you took any MLB player, including Daniel Descalso, and you put them in like the nineteen 
1910s, 1920s, 1930s, I feel like they would hit 100 home runs a year. Like, I just feel like they would just destroy the, the pitching from back then. And I feel like they'd be so fast and athletic that, like, they'd be amazing in the field and amazing they on the They would be pass. amazing in the field and great base runners. I guess the big thing that's hard is we don't fully know what the pitching was like. Like, yeah, it's hard, it feels like, to too. quantify that. Yeah, yeah, the mound is different. Like, there's so many things that for us watching baseball today it's hard to fully i think grasp what was so different so it would be it it would be an interesting experiment both players would go through an adjustment period i think daniel descalso would suck right away and then in like a year or two he would be great well if you think that he would be great then you're saying that like there weren't but i don't think he'd be i don't think he would be better than babe ruth though i mean i think just in terms of him being a uh you know a high level athlete Think like he Charlie would, said, he I would think be he able could to adjust not be worth and negative he'd be able war. to. Yeah, like he could get by. I don't know if he'd be better than I don't every see single him just player. I don't sudden know. Power, like I don't see. That's that the happening. thing. Yeah, for someone like Daniel Descalso, like no matter what pitches they're throwing, you know, if he's still, I don't know what, how many home runs has he hit in total? You know, I mean, he's never really been a a power guy. You know, I mean, he's only hit double digit yeah, home runs twice, forty eight career home runs, and uh, yeah, so years. like he's never been a power guy. So. For this specific example of Daniel Descalso, it's hard because we're we're comparing a guy that does not hit a lot of homers to a guy that is probably famous for hitting homers. Uh, I think that's fair. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah I yeah, think it's, it's fair to funny. say Babe Ruth it, is famous for hitting homers. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't yeah, think you just, need to qualify it with the probably two, two, two very different types of players. But it'd be interesting. Uh, I'll say that much. But uh, anyways. Welcome, everybody, to One Game at a Time. This is the podcast where we tell the story of a single game from baseball's history. I'm Warner, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sam and Charlie. Hello, guys. Howdy. Yeah, we've got we've to start working on our wormhole technology so we can answer this question. Wormhole? Right. Speaking this, of worms. This is why we need it. Everybody yeah, these days this is has, why we need it. has worms in their brains. Worm brains, people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking well, at talk- the news every day. I'm like QAnon, worm brains. Sam, I think I mean, you yeah, have that's... worm brains from. <laughs> I think we all have now. Thank you. <laughs> he sent it through the yeah, airway. John Voight, listeners, more like worm brain. Well, uh, this week's game was suggested by one of our patrons, Charlie. Uh, He reached out on the uh, patron channel to suggest it, so that's pretty cool. Uh, If you, other listeners, have any suggestions for games, send us an email or reach out on all the social media platforms. We're at OGAPPOD on all of those. Uh, And yeah, like Charlie, our Patreon supporters get priority, so definitely check that out. We've got some other fun rewards, but a good way to get get your game to the top of the pile. Um, check it out. Unless you're a worm brain, then we don't want your support. But if you're just a normal worm who likes baseball, <laughs> then yeah, check it out. We'd appreciate the support. If you're a worm right. and you're a listener, cut yourself into a hundred pieces so then we have times a hundred fans, and you'll be fine because worms can do that. <laughs> That's some science facts, right? Yeah, on our baseball podcast. Uh, all right. Let's jump in. The reason I am here, they tell me, is that I played the game a certain way. That I played the game the way it was supposed to be played. I don't know about that, but I do know this. I had too much respect for the game to play it any other way. And if there is a single reason I am here today, it is because of one word. Respect. On July 31, 2005, Cubs legend Ryan Sandberg began his Hall of Fame induction speech by talking about the thing that mattered most to him, respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Do you think he, uh, do you think they were inspired by Ryan Sandberg? (laughs) They? Aretha Franklin? You think Aretha Franklin Franklin wrote that song about Ryan Sandberg 50 years before he gave that speech? Yes, yeah. I think so. Okay. Oh, maybe there was a wormhole situation there. <laughs> exactly. See? Who knows? <laughs> Despite being a high school All-American quarterback and an all-city basketball player, 
When Sandberg was drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies in the 20th round, he decided he had too much respect for the game and couldn't leave baseball behind. Even though he turned down the opportunity to play quarterback at Washington State University for a chance to make it in the show, the Phillies couldn't see his potential and traded him away to the Chicago Cubs following the 1981 season. What's kind of interesting about this, just to show how much respect the Phillies didn't really even have for Sandberg or his potential, like he wasn't even like a main part of this trade. Like this was like a um just other this was just like a totally it wasn't like like the the Phillies went out and shopped Sandberg or the Cubs were like, We're trying to go get Sandberg. It was just like, Oh, we're making a deal and like how about you throw in that Sandberg kid? Um, yeah, it was uh, it was basically a one for one Larry Boa uh, from the Phillies for Ivan DeJesus from the Cubs. Basically a one for one trade. And then, yeah, like you said, Sam, they're just like, eh, how about this Sandberg kid? You want him? <laughs> Cubs are like, OK, <laughs> we'll take him. <laughs> when I see trades like this, I just. I think of like how scouting has just changed and teams like to hold on to their prospects now but back then it's just like yeah I'll, he's just some 20th round pick sure yeah he played he played 13 games for the phillies in 1981 uh sam and i were looking though he played of those 13 games what he came into like eight of them i think yeah seven i think runner. he was a pinch runner <laughs> yeah so, so he was they barely have a look at the guy and they're like fuck yeah. him get him he, out he of had, here um he had six plate appearances, uh, one hit in those six plate appearances, uh, and one strikeout, batting 167. That's all they had on him. And they're like, yeah, you, you take him. We don't want him. Uh, obviously. And he was probably like, fuck, man, I could be playing quarterback at Wazoo right, <laughs> right. now. Yeah, now he's, you know, but uh, obviously, in, you know, hindsight 2020, but could be the, the BMOC over at WSU. Could have been. Could have been. Well, in a city renowned for their architecture, food, and culture, the one thing in Chicago that lacked respect was their baseball teams. For years, the Cubs had floundered at the bottom of the National League and had been dubbed the lovable losers by the baseball world, with their last World Series win coming before the First World War. You think Franz Ferdinand was a big Cubs fan? I mean, he's like, oh yeah, I love the Cubs. Like... <laughs> they just won the World Series just a, a few years ago. Oh, what is that guy over there doing? He's looking kind of sketchy. Why is he looking at me like that? Oh, ow! What is that? <laughs> that you know what? Is that what people say when they've been shot? <laughs> ow! Oh, there must be a so... Cardinals fan. Yeah, do you think Gavrilo Princip was a Cardinals fan? He was so <laughs> mad. He was like, ah, I don't know who he, he was. Uh, I don't even know if this dude, what was he? He was uh, Austrian. Sam, so yeah, you can do your Austrian accent now. <laughs> that was my Austrian. That was, uh... I, think, I think that's what he was trying to do. <laughs> uh, no, Gabriel Princip was Bosnian. Bosnian. I see. So do your... <laughs> okay, so my and... Bosnian is like, I'm a Cardinals fan. I do not like the Cubs. Oh, God. <laughs> Cap Anson was real, uh, more like Crap Anson. Oh, 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 look at that. That's Franz Ferdinand over there. I'm going to, oh, I don't like him because he likes the Cubs. Oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot him. Oh, what was that? Well, there we go. That's how World War One started. <laughs> well, over Sanders' first two years problematic? with the Cubs. Was that like racist? Probably. Yeah, well. Yeah, you should probably cut that. <laughs> well, over Sandberg's first two years with the Cubs, he established himself as a solid major leaguer with an average bat, but exceptional speed and defense, winning his first gold glove in 1983 when he was moved from third to second base. Sandberg got off to a hot start in 1984, showing new talents for power and average and continuing his impressive defense up the middle. The team, who'd usually be out of it by July, was playing well, but was going unnoticed on a national level. Still, the Cubs would get a national broadcast on Saturday, June 23rd, for a game against their longtime rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals, which everyone hoped would provide some good entertainment. While the Cubs had the better record, 
the Cardinals, led by Ozzie Smith, one of the most popular players in baseball, were two years removed from a World Series victory and looking to get back in the picture. It's like, I, I think everyone would agree that best rivalry in baseball is Yankees-Red Sox. And then you could even say that the best rivalry in the NL is Dodgers-Giants. But I think there's a, a, a set of people who would say the best rivalry in the NL is, is Cubs-Cardinals. That's a really good rivalry. I mean, the when I think about it, like, the Lou Brock trade is, like, one of the biggest things. Like, the Cubs trading Lou Brock to the Cardinals for, like, basically nothing. And then him becoming the best base dealer ever till Ricky Henderson. Um, and it's, like, the Cardinals are, like, a small market team. Like, St. Louis is it's a small market. The Cubs are obviously in, like, a huge market, Chicago. But the Cardinals are, like, this really well-run franchise that's just always good. Like... They'll have some periods where they're that where they have down, but they always will come back and be good. They've won a ton of championships, made it to a ton of World Series, won a ton of pennants, um, and like they're fa- they have this fan base that's just like so amazing. Like, I think people would say like the Cardinals fan base is like one of the more like they know the game well. They're like I think people respect the Cardinals fan base even if they're kind of like fuck those guys. They always win and they're snobbish <laughs> or whatever. Whereas like the Cubs, it's like. Like we said, lovable losers. They're like one of they've been until recently, and and maybe they'll start again being like this laughing stock of baseballs. Like, oh, wait till next year. You guys always lose. And like the fans, even though they have so many fans worldwide or nationwide, like people always make fun of Cubs fans for like not knowing baseball, not caring about baseball, just being there to get drunk, just being on the bandwagon, all that stuff. So it's like such an to me, it's like such an interesting thing between these two cities, these two teams, these two fan bases. Yeah, it's um. It's a lot of fun, and one thing too, you know, these cities are not that far Speaking apart. Of bandwagon fans, bandwagon Cubs fans, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Anyways, these two cities are pretty close, so it's fun that you know you get a lot of people, uh, you know, traveling uh, back and forth for these games. So it's it's a fun picture looking at Wrigley here and seeing that uh, in the stands of this game, it, it's a lot of Cubs fans, it's a lot of Cardinals fans. So. You know that that always makes for a good game. I, I think it's fun when you've got a you know a, a diverse crowd uh, with all you know fans from both teams. I think it just it makes for a much more exciting game. Well, and it's uh, not a really fun to watch. It's not a East Coast or a West Coast rivalry. It's like a Midwest rivalry, which I, as a Midwest person, I think is fun. Those are the best yeah. rivalries. Yeah, it's fun. Well, facing off was Steve Trout for the Cubs and Ralph Citarella for the Cardinals. Okay, so I didn't know where else to say this. I need to say it now. During the broadcast, they gave us a little background info on street, on Steve Trout. Uh, he's into Buddhism. He's into martial arts. And apparently, before the game, he uh, had a session with a hypnotist. So Steve Trout sounds like a pretty fun guy to have at the clubhouse. Is this Mike Trout's dad? <laughs> no, but it's Dizzy Trout's son. So, you know, oh, that's course. a baseball player connection. Uh, I just imagine Steve's Trout walking around the dugout doing karate moves and shit. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this fucking dude. And he's like, all right, got to get my hypnotism on. <laughs> just sounds like a real weirdo. Um, <laughs> but feels like a perfect just 1980s Cubs player. 1980s even in baseball in general. It was a weird time. Uh, this guy feels like he fits right into me. <laughs> He's probably on some some crazy drugs, too. Oh, easily. <laughs> well, in the top of the first, St. Louis got ahead early when Ozzie Smith walked, then came around to score on a George Hendricks single. But Sandberg, who is relatively unknown outside of Chicago, used his first at-bat with a runner in scoring position to introduce himself to the national audience. And the payoff. Line drive, base hit. Dernier rounds third. Zimmer says, come on home. Here's Lonnie Smith throw. And he slides in safely. Sandberg takes second. The game was knotted up at 1-1, but the Cardinals quickly broke the tie in the bottom of the second. When the pitcher, Citarella, hit a two-run single, then Steve Trout loaded the bases, only for Willie McGee to slice one to right. Lamar wait in the hitting area. Oh, this could be in there. St. Louis. 
nice triple. I mean, I know Wrigley's got those deep corners, and he hits it in the perfect spot, but I love how the camera you know, kind of cuts to him after they get the ball in. He's just chilling on third. I, I don't. It, 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 well, yes, of course he was fat, but like it looked like you know just a nice and easy stand up triple. It's just so effortless. Also, uh, listeners just, on these sound effects, you may have noticed it's Bob Costas. That's the voice of Bob Costas. Yeah, yeah, Bob Costas is uh, doing the uh, broadcast, so that's fun. Uh, no pink guy this time. He's doing Ooh, right. got him, got him. You know, pink guy. They say pink guy is a. Uh. Uh. Uh, symptom for COVID. Do you think that he started COVID? Patient zero. Wow. (laughs) After allowing six runs, Trout got the hook, but his replacement, Rich Bordy, gave up another run that made it Cardinal seven, Cubs one, headed into the bottom of the second. Wait, so this guy got hypnotized and then sucked. He needs to get a new yeah, hypnotist did he, did he do a background check on that hypnotist and make sure he wasn't from st louis right yeah i think he, he got, could have been yeah he got screwed sleeper. here yeah he <laughs> turned him into a sleeper agent you know <laughs> say the word and you just blow it in the uh, in the second inning yeah i don't know oh uh, yeah instead great. of like bang on a trash can they have some like trigger word that they're saying in the dugout and it's just like when he hears it he's like i don't know why but i just really want to throw this right down the middle <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, after just one and a half innings, it looked like the Cubs were being their good old lovable loser selves and shitting the bed in front of the entire country. Shitting the bed, Jesus Warner. It's a I mean, family hey, show, man. What else do you what else do you call No, it's not <laughs> all of <laughs> What else would you call this, huh? I mean uh, I, I'd say if someone said, Hey, what does shitting the bed look like? I'd say this. Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say, soiling the duvet. Ooh, fancy! Uh-huh. It feels like a, when you're talking when you're talking about golf, you can say that, Sam. Soiling maybe, the duvet. Maybe, oh, okay. Maybe tennis or something. Yeah, well, you know, we're watching the baseball. Masters right now. Maybe, uh, maybe Tiger Woods will <laughs> maybe soil someone. the duvet. Maybe. Well, the middle innings were relatively uneventful until the fifth when the Cubs showed a bit of life after Ryan Sandberg picked up his second RBI of the day and Gary Matthews played it another on a double to make it 7-3. to three. Okay, all right. But it was one step forward, two steps back for the Cubs, as Ozzie Smith bunt singled in the top of the sixth, then Willie McGee drove him in. 2-1 pitch is drilled to very deep right. Moreland for a look, but it is gone. single a triple and a home run he's yeah yeah he's doing pretty good he's doing pretty good that's like he's like one away from something can't remember what they call that (laughs) well mcgee's home run combined with his triple in the second and single in the fourth put him just a double away from the cycle and gave his cardinals a six run lead building from what they started in the fifth the cubs loaded the bases in the bottom of the sixth then Richie Hebner hit a bloop single to right that scored Keith Moreland and made it 9-4. to Then it was Bob Dernier, who hit a two-run double and cut the Cardinals' lead to three. Now, with two runners in scoring position, Sandberg got his fourth chance at the plate and smacked one into left field. Base hit! One in! Dernier waved home! He's gone! No, Kyle! Sandberg had scored two more runs to make it 9-8, but he'd been cut down trying to advance to second base. The Cardinals couldn't score in the top of the seventh, and in the bottom of the inning, they sent in former Cub and Cy Young closer Bruce Suter to hold the lead, and he made quick work of the Chicago Bats through the seventh and eighth innings. Still down by one run in the bottom of the ninth, the Cubs had their best bet at the plate, Ryan Sandberg. The second baseman had been putting on a show, going three for four at this point with four RBIs. Now, with the chance to play hero for his Cubs, he mashed one to deep left field. In a left center field and deep, this is a tie ball game! 
What? Why is everybody shirtless and proud? Because <laughs> it's the bleacher bums, my dude. Which <laughs> is what you did. You just went out in the in the bleachers. You you took your shirt off. Oh, I'd man. imagine I mean, that's a great hit. Got... But I was watching the highlight yeah. just now, and all I could oh, yeah. do is laugh at the fucking. I mean, the drunk shirtless fucks in the bleachers. I want to know. I bet that the next day I would love to see the spike in just aloe sales (laughs) in Chicago following a Cubs game. It must be crazy. And then now these, they don't seem like the type that would put on any sunscreen before the game. No. Also it was the eighties. Did people even use sunscreen in the eighties? I mean, we'd fucking lead in the gasoline that made all everyone turn into serial killers. We're, We're, they're still getting over that. I mean, it, 80s are wild, man. Uh, the bleacher bums. It's just great to see them <laughs> just like get their national recognition too in this moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets to be like, "What the fuck is going on out there?" Well, the bleacher bums. Speaking of their, uh, you know, national uh, recognition, the bleacher bums was a like a, a play that was written by my good personal friend Joe Montagna. <laughs> Sam, you need to give context for why you're calling him your close personal friend. Because me and Joe Montana, we go back, man. We, we're we're. He, I actually think it's a funny story. Offered, you should tell this. I'm story. sure I told the story on the podcast before. He offered me a cannoli on his birthday, and I I said I said fuck <laughs> off, Joe. I'm not eating this no cannoli. Uh, and then no, but he, uh, I used to go to a, a a restaurant in Burbank, California, that was called Taste Chicago, owned by Joe Montana, who is a Chicago guy who wrote the play The Bleacher Bums, which is about the Bleacher Bums and, and won some awards and stuff um, and kind of put him on the map. And so he owned this restaurant. You, you might know him from, I think he's on one of those. He's on the show Criminal Minds. That's, I think, his what, what most people know One of those many, from. many, many cop procedural <laughs> shows. But uh, so he had this place that was like a Chicago restaurant. So I used to go there to watch the Bears games because you can't. You know, you couldn't get them anywhere else in in California. So, I there was always this like, I mean, speaking of bleacher bums, honestly, like the the people that frequented this place were just Chicago transplants who were like, I don't, I don't, I mean, they were, we're all probably bleacher these bums, big in the 80s. burly bearded guys wearing their <laughs> Cubs and Bears. I mean, they were like the super fans. It literally was like being in a bar that was like, or it wasn't even a bar, is the thing. It was like it was just like a burger place and a pizza place. And it was just like being there with the super fans. Like they were, hey, yay, how you doing? Nah. And uh, he would come in like, he wasn't always there, but he, every once in a while he would come in like usually near the end of the game and everyone would be like, you know, they'd be paying their respects to him because he was like the, you know, like the the, the Chicago godfather. Hey, He's like the dog. Godfather, Joe Mantegna. And uh, <laughs> so he would come in and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And one time he came in on his birthday and someone brought him cannolis in like a big uh, aluminum tray. And he personally went around to everyone in the restaurant and offered them cannolis. And I, one, didn't want cannolis that all these gross, beefy Chicago people were digging their uh, Italian beef (laughs) (laughs) dripping hands in there. Uh, but also there just wasn't that many left. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I mean, those are yours, Joe. It's your birthday, man. You should have those. <laughs> so I, I didn't take them from him. And then another time he, he had, he brought in because he wrote the bleacher blum beach bleacher bums, because he is like so known for being a Cubs fan. He got a, a world series ring from the team when they won in 2016. And he brought it in one time. And man, dude, these these grown men were like little kids, dude. Like, they were just so in awe of his ring, and it was cool. I mean, it's a World Series ring. It's cool. It's not like the one the players get, but it's still it's still an official Cubs World Series. Yeah, it's still ring. pretty cool, but it just yeah that. And they were just like all head. trying to jockey and like, oh my god, it wasn't it wasn't even like pandemonium. It was like it was like them trying people like trying to like hold it back, but like they couldn't hold it back. Yeah, uh, just too exciting. <laughs> and again, I was a White Sox fan, and I just was like, I don't care. Like, I don't really care about that <laughs> World Series ring. So uh, he probably like 
I don't know if he would recognize my face or anything, but he was probably at the time he's like, this guy's always an asshole. He didn't want my cannolis. He doesn't want my World Series <laughs> ring. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Um, he could anyways. he could probably smell the white socks on you. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, uh, and, uh, anyways, how about, how about we jump back in? <laughs> well, then I stopped going to that place because there was a better Bears bar down the street. But then recently, I just found out that the owner of that Bears bar is really into uh, uh, basically making his own militia and starting a second civil war because he uh, hates all the libtards and Democrats and uh, is going to defend the Constitution for his his idol, Donald Trump. So probably won't go to that place ever again. Yeah, you're, uh, you got to find a new place. <laughs> got to find if you a know new place. Of a, if you know of a Bears bar in California, because the Tay Chicago Joe Montana place closed, so... Uh, if you know of one, hit us up at the OGAP pod email. <laughs> Let us know. Well, Sandberg had tied the game off one of baseball's best closers. Gary Matthews would follow it up with a single, then steal second, but a dazzling play from Ozzie Smith saved a run and kept the game tied going into extra innings. After his artistry in the field, the Wizard of Oz led off the 10th with a single, then steal of second, giving Willie McGee a chance to drive him in. Throwing out bang, bang. He's trying to pull the ball, but he doesn't. This could be a base hit. Matthews racing toward it. Can't get to it. Ozzie Smith rounds third. He'll score. Willie McGee has a four-hit day, and he has hit for the cycle. Willie McGee had a triple in the second, a single in the fourth, a homer in the sixth, and now a double in the tenth. Six RBIs for Willie McGee. What's funny is that I'm seeing some people shirtless in the stands that are also wearing Cardinals hats. So it just it 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 must just be like, hey, we're in the bleacher. You know, you're all we're all bleachers it's, bums at it, this point. It's like, contagious. Just, I mean, it's contagious, and it's it's. Pretty you see fun. some other people taking their shirts off, and then you see a couple more, and you're like, fuck it, man, well, it's a hot day. Fuck it, here. here we go. <laughs> McGee's double to complete the cycle gave the Cardinals a one-run lead and brought the Cardinals fans who'd made the drive up from St. Louis to their feet. McGee would later score on a Steve Braun groundout, putting the Cubs back in a two-run deficit for the bottom of the 10th. It started with Larry Boa and Richie Hebner grounding out. Then, Bob Dernier walked to bring up Ryan Sandberg to face off against Bruce Souter yet again. What could possibly go wrong? 1-1 pitch. So, yeah, okay, so this was the NBC Bob Costas call, but uh, we there's also uh, Harry Carey, famous, well, broadcaster, famous Cubs broadcaster, was also calling this game. Uh, so we've got the Harry Carey call that we're going to play as well, so you can hear it, because uh, it's pretty fun. So you're going to play that one? Yeah. Okay. There's a drive way back. Might be out of here. It is. It is. He did it again. He did it again. The game is tied. The game is tied. Holy cow. <laughs> Listen to this crowd. Everybody's gone bananas. What would be the odds if I told you that Sabert would hit home runs off Bruce Sutter? Holy cow. <laughs> what do you what do you rate that impression, Warner? Impression? No, we just played the Harry Carey sound effect. Holy cow! Oh, I see what we're doing. <laughs> uh, so this sound effect, I we were we were all over the internet. It's on there, but there's not good enough quality. So we said, you know what, Sam, Sam, you're gonna do it even better. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? We just played Harry Carey. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's the Harry Carey call. I'll it's give, a good I'll one. give it like an eight out of ten. Hey, not bad. I <laughs> felt like it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it was pretty good. <laughs> Sandberg had done it again. Not only had he tied the game for the second time in his many innings, but he'd done it in spectacular fashion, becoming the only player to ever hit two home runs off Bruce Souter in a single game. Tied again at eleven to eleven, the game went into the eleventh but the Cardinals couldn't score. 11-11-11, make a wish. 
Oh, this is some spooky stuff, man. I don't think of 11s as being spooky. (laughs) Not spooky. Like, uh, what am I trying to say? Not spooky. Like mystical. uh, Magical. Mystical. If it was 13-13 going into the 13th. Ooh, that'd be spooky. That'd be spooky. Or 6-6 to going into the 6th. Oh. This is a family podcast. God damn it. I mean, uh, (laughs) gosh darn it. Well, in the bottom of the 11th, St. Louis sent a new pitcher, Dave Rucker, to the mound, but he promptly walked Leon Durham and was replaced by Jeff Lottie. After Durham stole second and advanced to third on an error, the Cardinals elected to intentionally walk the bases loaded, putting it all on the pinch-hitting Dave Owen. That's it! So this is such a funny call because all he says is, that's it. And it's not even that good of a hit either. It's just like he kind of slaps it out there and then he just, yeah. Nobody picks it it up. It just rolls in the outfield. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is like the right fielder just like the second the ball hits the ground, the right fielder is like, all right, fuck it. Like he doesn't try at all to make a play because he knows it's over. But like, I feel like usually you see the guy at least like pretend like he's trying to do something. He just lets the ball go. At least pick the ball up. At least pick it up. He doesn't even pick the ball up. It's so funny. And then Bob Costas, he was like, Bob Costas is, you know, I mean, everyone knows Bob Costas. I'm pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer in in multiple sports probably. And and, uh, he's known as being one of the best voices of sports. And just just this call of just like, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. He's not. He's not wrong. He's not that wrong. That was no. indeed it. Yeah. Where I'm sure over next door in the radio booth, Harry Caro's going. Holy <laughs> cow! Holy cow! Cubs win! Cubs win! Well, Owen had hit a sharp grounder through the right side that scored Durham and gave the Cubs the walk off with a score of twelve to eleven. After 11 innings of back-and-forth baseball, both teams had used 19 players, and the Cubs had proven this year's club deserved some respect on the national level. Sandberg ended the game going 5-for-6 with 7 RBIs and became a household name in the process, as the 12-11 to extra inning victory quickly became known as the Sandberg game. But he didn't hit for the cycle, so... That's true. So... No, that's fun you bring that up, Charlie, because Willie McGee in the, I think, the 10th inning, they had to hand out a player of the game on NBC, so they named Willie McGee the player of the game, and then Sandberg hits the second game-tying home run, and they're like, oh, oh what? Uh, I guess we have two players of the game today. I bet Willie, they, McGee, they, they, you know. I bet Willie McGee goes around calling... June 23rd, 1984, the Willie McGee game. Yeah, I mean, hitting right. for the cycle? Come on, that's pretty awesome. That's a big moment. Uh, yeah. I mean, he I'd just heard kinda... about this game as the Sandberg game, and then it was just kind of funny that McGee, like, just kind of casually hits for the cycle here. It's like, oh, yeah. this is there's a lot that happens here. You know what's funny, though, too? It's like looking at all of this and just how it's all connected. Had Sandberg not hit the game-tying homer in the ninth, McGee wouldn't have hit for the cycle because he hits right, his double yeah, in the 10th. That's true. So there's just so many. It's like they owe, you know, McGee's like, all right, I hit for the cycle, but I guess I owe it to him a little bit that he tied up the game. <laughs> just so, uh, yeah, it's very fun. Very interesting. The Cubs would go on a run that saw them make the postseason for the first time since 1945. Jesus. But they'd, <laughs> <laughs> but they'd fall three games to two in the NLCS against the San Diego Padres, leaving that familiar taste of defeat in the mouths of fans all across Wrigleyville. Lovable losers, they'd remain. I mean, that's got to still feel pretty good, though. Yeah, that's a little something considering it was 1945. Yeah, like just to get to the postseason, you'd be like, oh, oh, fuck yeah, like we're good now. And then even when you lose, you'd be like, well, you know. And then they proceed to just not make the postseason for a while. I mean, it was 1945 (laughs) and World War II was just right in the midst of it. And everyone knew that uh, Adolf Hitler was a huge Cubs fan. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no, we're not doing this. You guys don't hear my Hitler impression? No, let's, let's just stop it right now before it gets any further. Also, I mean, listen, 
Sam, if Adolf Hitler, I'm just going to say this. If Adolf Hitler was a real Cubs fan, he wouldn't have killed himself in April before the Cubs made it to the postseason. If he was a real fan, he would have waited around to see if they won the World Series that year. So clearly not a real fan. Well, I mean, that was the thing. He was like, ah, I am the Cubs fan. No, can we Can we not? <laughs> that Cubs never will make the World Series. And then he what killed is himself. This? Is this Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> that did not sound German. <laughs> well, for all his efforts during the 1984 season, Ryan Sandberg would be named the National League MVP, becoming the first Cubs since Ernie Banks in 1959 to win the award. Jeez, that's just like, I'm thinking of all that time that just goes by. These poor Cubs fans have... <laughs> that's a long time. I mean... That's like two decades where they didn't make the playoffs, they didn't have an MVP. Not that like every team has an MVP, but they just had sure, nothing yeah. to like... Yeah, it's like one or the other at least, right? To... Like, <laughs> Come on, give them something here. It's like at least the Angels get Mike Trout. You right, know? yeah. Like, come on. At I least you something. get Mike Trout. But to just not get anything, that that's a long time. That's rough. Sandberg would go on to have a prolific career at second base, winning nine straight gold gloves and even leading the league in home runs in 1990, a rare feat for a middle infielder. He'd be inducted into the Hall of Fame on his third ballot, and the Cubs would retire his number 23 the following month. Looking back on his induction speech that day, it was clear that nothing mattered more to Sandberg than respect. On that day, in front of a national audience against a heated rival, Rhino earned the respect of the baseball world. He became a really big star, so much so that when I was a kid, I had a Super Nintendo game called, like, what was it called? Like, Ryan Sandberg Baseball, but, like, Ryan Sandberg Super Baseball or something like that? Uh, Hmm. So he had his own Super Nintendo game. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, when you've got your own your own video game named after Super. You? Oh, it's, I'm sorry. It was called uh, Ryan Sandberg Super Bases Loaded. Super Bases Loaded. Ryan Sandberg Super plays Sandberg Super, Bases, Super Loaded. Bases Loaded. It was a Japanese game. Interesting. Well, that's huh. fun. Super Bases Loaded. Cool. It, 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 uh, it included yeah, I mean, uh, professional teams such as the Atlanta Amoebas, and the New York Mercs. Of course. <laughs> Did you say Mercs or Merps? M- Mercs with a C. Okay, I thought you said Merps, like the uh, Merps. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, what, what I heard too, and I was just like, oh, great. <laughs> of course, sure. That's a f- I'd root for a team named the Merps. <laughs> well, if they had Ryan uh, Sandberg on them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts about this game? guys uh, i thought this was a fun one it was fun to see yeah i mean rhino becomes huge they weren't even they weren't even calling him rhino in 1984 uh we learned they were calling him the natural after the robert redford movie the natural which sam is not going to give a synopsis of right now i couldn't really give you a synopsis uh, (laughs) of it i don't know what the fuck happens in that movie but yeah he gets i mean he gets this great nickname rhino uh which i think sets us up for good extra innings Sam? Well, you know... Do you want to tell us what we're going to be doing? Most people, if you don't know, a rhino is... It's a land animal. Uh, I think you find them mostly in Africa. Um, they're like a big uh, big old honking things, and I think they kill a lot of people. I think they're really... <laughs> I think that is scient- a scientific term. <laughs> big old honking things. I think they're really dangerous animals, people say. Um, like, you're more likely to get imagine. killed by a rhino than like a lion or a tiger or something. But... I am, is this true or is this just wild speculation? I think I've, I think I've, I've heard, heard that. Before. I think you're yeah, more what, like what is this oh. show? Are we are we an objective? Are we a fact based science <laughs> uh, believing show, or are we just going to go off on whatever Sam thinks and believes? Hey, look! If you want to go out and do your own research, do it. But really, you don't have to. Just listen to me. Um, <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> anyway, but you know, poachers are killing rhinos left and right, and that's sad. So we don't we don't want that. Yeah. But also, if they're killing us, you know, we got to take some of them too. It's a war. Uh, god. But, <laughs> oh my god! So look, here's the thing. Anyways, I like, like how you said that, and then you just immediately were <laughs> contradicted. Like, no, fuck them. So anyway, uh, rhino is a cool nickname. One of the better nicknames. It's a cool animal to be to have as a nickname. It's way cooler. Like imagine if your nickname was like uh, 
I don't know, like the seagull. Like that's not a very cool nickname, but like <laughs> rhino, that's fucking cool. But it made me think like, that's good. would a rhino be good at baseball? I don't know. I mean, it couldn't necessarily swing a bat. Uh, so it made me think what animals would be good at baseball. And I, I want to hear from my, my pod mates. Uh, Warner, what do you think? What, kind, what, what animal um, would be good at baseball? All right. All right. Well, I'm taking this. I'm All of the proof. I have legitimate proof that this animal would be good at baseball. And it comes from something called Super Mario Sluggers. Uh, there's a certain animal. A dinosaur? Yoshi? No, 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 no. Uh, Donkey Kong. Uh, a gorilla. All Donkey Kong does in Super Mario Sluggers is put on a boxing glove and fucking punch the ball. So I think if you gave a gorilla, he doesn't even need a bat. Give him a boxing glove, put him in the box, and you've got dingers for days coming from a gorilla. Um, Also, I think a gorilla could make a great catcher. Um, You know, big target. It'd be very hard for the umpire, I guess, to see the strike zone. But when they have robotic strike zones, this is perfect. I don't think you'll ever have a wild pitch again if you've got a gorilla backstop. So I think, yeah, gorilla, catcher. Uh, hit maybe fourth in the lineup, you know, clean up. I just thought of a gorilla <laughs> sitting behind the plate, squatting behind the plate, whatever, getting, like, the pitch comes to him, and then he takes the ball, and then he tries to, he, like, takes a big bite out of it. That was, like, a funny yeah. image in my head. <laughs> yeah, you're going through a lot of baseballs <laughs> with a gorilla. It's fair to say, I don't know what animals you guys have picked, it's probably fair to say that if any of these animals are playing baseball, <laughs> you're going through a lot of balls. <laughs> Charlie, what about you? What do you, yeah. what do you think? Um, I'm, well, I'm picking humans. Oh, boo. What? Oh, come on. Boo. I had picked gorillas and then Warner picked it. So I'm picking oh, humans. No. Um, oh, no. They're technically an animal and they're already pretty good at baseball, so... <laughs> Charlie, maybe you think of a new one, and we'll come back to I can't, you. All Sam. I can think of was monkeys the whole time. I just thought of a bunch well, of monkeys. Well, monkeys so. not a gorilla, so you pick monkeys. <laughs> okay, I pick monkeys. I pick... They well, guys... They could bat with their feet. They could hold a bat with their feet. That would be cool. Obviously, you guys are both going primates. Uh, right. I thought being able to hold a bat was right. A big I mean, opposable thumbs. They're, well, my, they're, they're... my gorilla's using a boxing glove. So. Well, they're, they're human-like. Sure. But I think you guys are missing on... The clear favorite, the clear easy one here, maybe even maybe even easier than than humans. Guys, what about a bat? <laughs> oh, <laughs> how would a bat be good at baseball? Please explain. Uh, you ever tried to play baseball without a bat? It's a oh. little hard, am I right? Warner's um, gorilla doesn't need if, one, apparently. Yeah, my gorilla doesn't need one. Also, Sam, have you ever heard of pitchers in the American League? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay, here's another one I thought of, though, because I also had a, I had a backup in case someone took, if Charlie had gone first, I guess, and taken gorilla. I, I was thinking, I feel like a rabbit would be pretty good at baseball. Yeah. Because one, they're fast. Oh, yeah. Two, that strike zone is tiny. They are walking all good point. every, every I, time. I feel like That's there's a, a good one. I feel like every there's some time. Looney Tunes cartoons where Bugs is playing. I mean, he's definitely an umpire in some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think he a rabbit, a rabbit, I mean, though. stealing bases. I mean, I'm thinking like a real rabbit, right. not like an anthropomorphized one, like a real rabbit. That would be tough. Well, another one I thought hold of. A bat, but <laughs> another one I thought of, and I think people would say like, what? That's so dumb because it's a slow animal. But penguins. I was thinking a penguin could be a good base runner. Yes, he's super. Yes, a penguin is super slow. But their heads can turn all the way around, so they always have a good idea of like where everything is, what the pitcher's doing, where the ball is, all that stuff. And then they're incredible at sliding on their bellies. That's true. They can. Sl- yeah, those are going to be some good slides. You know what? Yeah. I don't know how I didn't have this as my bat. Why not just like a dog, like Air Bud? You know. He was pretty. Yeah, we have we have proof that like, dogs can play sports. <laughs> a dog can catch a ball in his mouth. He'd probably be, you know, good outfielder, fast, good runner. The bat, like the batting, is the one thing you'd have to figure out. But if you just had him as a good, like, 
defensive I'm sure it could just hold it. It could just hold the bat in its mouth. And, it could try you and know, bunt, you know, at the very least. Yeah, yeah, lay down some bunts. I mean, it's going to be fast getting the first. Right. This is. Uh, it sounds like we're making a pretty good animal baseball team here. Well, if you're sitting at home or in your car or whatever right now and you're listening and you're shouting at the thing, how are you not mentioning blank animal? Email us, ogetpod at gmail.com and let us know. What or tweet at us or or Instagram at us and let us know what do you think would be the best. So people yeah. do they Instagram we, at you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We we I feel like this baseball animal baseball team needs a pitcher. So you know maybe maybe the listeners maybe maybe you've got an idea. Uh, let us know. We'd appreciate it. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening to one game at a time. Uh, like Sam said. Email us. Uh, our email is ogappod at gmail.com if you have game suggestions, if you want to talk about extra innings, uh, if you just want to say hi, uh, let us know. Um, we've got new episodes every Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends about us. We're on all the podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps get the show out there, and we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're on social media Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We are at ogappod at all of those. And we're on Patreon as well. So check that out if you want to support the show. Uh, we'll shout out new supporters at the end of our episodes. And we've yeah got some other perks like getting to suggest a game like Charlie did for this one. So, uh, Charlie, if you're out there listening, which hopefully you are considering you're a Patreon supporter, thank you. And uh, Warner, real quick, just you're going to use the Patreon. Actually, we're, we're all going to use the Patreon money for this one because this is a cause that we actually really we think it's important. We're going to make sure that Uh-oh. schools get the funding to go back into their history books and make sure people know that World War One was started because Franz Ferdinand was a Cubs <laughs> fan and the man who shot him was a Cardinals and, fan. And Gavrilo Princip was a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Aren't I you going to cut you know, that? Are you not cutting that part? There's <laughs> no chance I'm cutting that part. It was gold. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody. And we will uh, see you all next week. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Holy cow.